delighted to have you in the podcast where all stories are welcome and the masks come off. Hi Mahima. Hi, how are you? I'm very good and welcome to Soul Brews with Shiva. Welcome to Thank Coffee you. and Soul. So wonderful to have you here with me. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you know we've been, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, but I'm really glad that yeah. it's happened now. Me so too, how how are you? How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, how's the writing coming along? Uh, it's okay. So I hit like a I hit a tiny block. I think a couple of months ago, but slowly I've been getting over it. So I've realized that I'm not the I think most writers I know they make it a habit to write every day so they will uh, treat it as a job like 9 to 5 thing that okay I'm going to sit at my desk and write I tried that but I couldn't do that so I think I've I'm just like now trying to write whenever I can and find the time so I've switched to writing in the notes of my phone and I realized I've been writing more so yeah Really whatever works there. isn't it whatever yeah. works yeah that's fantastic so mahima i would like to welcome you with this cup of coffee and if you yeah. can just pour a brew and here's <laughs> me pouring out my cup of coffee yeah that looks really good yeah, it is a, it is a good cup of coffee yeah <laughs> yes here's to life yes yeah and good to have you on soul brew thank you wonderful to be here mahima i'm going to ask you to hold that cup of coffee in your hands oh yeah and if you can just uh, keep it and sit back and just keep that in between maybe both your palms and and feel the warmth of it so you can close your eyes what's the image that comes to your mind as you do this mm-hmm. i see mountains and i see books anything else that stands out to you and what you're looking at um i think the complete the silence the complete lack of human sound and um yeah you know the lush greenery yeah and i remember how crisp the air is but um yeah i mean i don't see here but yeah i can like feel, feel that it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. feel it yeah 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 okay so I'm going to invite you to open your eyes and thank you for sharing this with us and tell me what does it mean to you this visual that you just had what does it hold so to I, you what does it say to you so i think um for the longest time in my life and i think i also come from that school of thought where you're supposed to um you know have a conventional job make sure you save enough money and then you know get married and have like a regular conventional life with no risks and you know it's like a standard fail safe option that most indian middle class families have so yeah so i um, i remember that uh, when i was growing up i wanted to study english mm. because i wanted to study writing but it was obviously not a very uh, mainstream option back then so mm. either mm. we would study science like we would study engineering or medicine or What worst case study? scenario i'm going to study call it the worst case scenario accounts <laughs> yeah i did engineering did so engineering. yeah so yeah most high school friends i have they are either doctors or engineers mm-hmm. so yeah um, yeah i did that uh, got placed into a job started working right away and yeah i mean i pretty much followed that same trajectory but 
i think that the part of me that just could not uh, you know uh, give up on the not just the writing bit but mm. the bit that i wanted to do something else i wasn't doing enough i'm not happy here mm. i felt like i was doing the bare minimum mm. so that kind of pushed me to quit my job so when did you when back- did you quit your job Yeah, I graduated in early 2014. Then mm. I quit my job in December 2016. So I worked for almost three years, and uh, I came back home. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to, you know, take a gap year, which is again a very foreign concept for Indian parents. Yeah, so I thought I'm going to take a gap year and just, uh, you know, travel and figure out what I want to do. But I remember like the first week of me being at home, my dad was like, "You can't sit at home. You have to work." So I started uh, working with him. Mm. So um, he owns a bunch of apple orchards in the Himachal. They've been in the family for generations. I started going there with him to help him out with work and logistics and stuff like that. And I remember one day I was just sitting there and reading a book. So imagine there's this valley that there 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 are no people around. It's in the middle of nowhere, mm. and there are like tiny apples growing on the trees, and we're sitting in the sun reading a book. I remember being yeah. so in awe of that experience and being so you know. I just remember being there in that moment and thinking that okay, you know, this is what I've always thought life would be like, and how wonderful it is to read, and. Uh, Finally, the immediately next thought I had was, okay, how lovely it would be if people can come here and do the same and write. Wow! Because yeah, so I think that I consider that moment to be one of the most uh, defining moments of my life. Just like sitting there under the sun and thinking that okay, if I can be here and read, like I, people should definitely be able to come here and write. So yeah, that's pretty much how it began. Wow! And so this visual that you have is evocative, evocative of that defining moment that you kind of yeah, decided what you wanted to do. Uh, and 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 now that now that you've done that, when you talk about it to say that you know you, uh, so it would be great for people to come and write here or be here or whatever. Do you do something about that also, Mahima? Is there a is there something that you have enabled for people to come and experience that? Yeah. So. Uh... a few so i had like the regular roadblocks right what do i do about this how do you actually implement an an idea like you might think you have the world's best idea but then how do you go about bringing that into practice mm. so i struggled with the same questions and so again this is funny so my what my father used to do like in the late 90s and early 2000 was uh, he had a bunch of friends in france denmark and germany and they used to come to india to that orchard for trekking trips so they used to go on these lovely uh, trips and back then it wasn't commercialized mm. trekking in the matter mm. so there weren't any people so imagine just like climbing up mountains and like exploring those areas where nobody has been and you know wow. you're just like going to villages and spending time there and there are no tourists like hounding locals and stuff like that so he used to do that and i think i don't know how he's like subconsciously passed it on to me so i realized that what i can do is i can get people to come to this place and write and facilitate writing because i'm not saying this to fish compliments i'm not being modest but i've always thought that i can't write so i should do the best next thing which is to facilitate writing so i think that sort of gave birth to the idea of um, having a writing retreat Wow. <laughs> When I was thinking of names, I wanted something which 
explained it like which was just obvious and in your face so um again i come from a background of sanskrit scholars so i just remember really that's so interesting yeah. uh, uh, without i i will come back to that i'd like to understand <laughs> that a little bit more go ahead with what you're saying yeah so i remember there used to be this word so i think we are all familiar with the word lake yes means an essay in hindi so yes. then uh, you go back to the sanskrit roots you go to alek which also means a written text or written word mm. and then i went a step further like mm. a, a another step back and i came across alekhya which means to write writing so i thought that okay this is the perfect word for something like this and that's how it came around so the retreats are called or the it's called alekhya is it yeah yeah wow. how many of these have you run we've done we've done four till now yeah we were planning to have another one this fall but covid happened COVID but yeah, happened. yeah yeah but yeah so the whole idea is to make it experiential and not those and not templatized version sure so when people come there they own their time we will schedule maybe one workshop in the day with a mentor or a published author or you know an editor from something like penguin or upper collins and we'll have like some peer review sessions in the evening where you know you're sitting with other amateur writers and reviewing your work but apart from that your time is yours so the idea is that we are putting you in an apple orchard in the middle of nowhere there are no humans around there are no coffee shops or markets or It you know sounds idyllic <laughs> my ma <laughs> or tvs or you know movie theaters around so all you need to do is just like find a spot which works best for you and sit there and write or you know even if you don't write just think about writing because mm. you know i get this feedback a lot that we didn't write when we were there but we came back with so mm. many ideas and we've been writing more than we ever did so yeah mm. So that is also like a period, almost like a gestation period, isn't it? Also, yeah, to fully experience the the creative flow and process, and to allow the seeds to germinate. Yeah, and I guess yeah. that's what you help in doing. And it's so amazing what you said, Mahima, when you said, "I can't write, so I want to make that happen." I just want to tell you that that is so not true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's really kind. Thank you. You can write, and you write really well. Whatever I've read or what you have. <laughs> Thank written. you. but i'm waiting for that blockbuster and i'm sure it'll come out soon so yeah fingers yeah. crossed <laughs> that's right yeah yeah so um talk to me a little bit more about your life you know so far uh, you you shared with me you know how it went and what have been your key learnings as you as you as you journey on Something yeah i think like one thing i've learned is that uh, no matter what we do So I am also a data scientist, right? So I also do that yeah, extra that on the I'm side. Yeah, sorry, I'm so. This is an interesting <laughs> profile. You're a data scientist, and you're a writer, and you have a background of Sanskrit scholar, and you have you go to these <laughs> lovely uh, apple orchards, but you also mining data. So it's it's really you build websites. Uh, there's so much yeah. that you do. You're doing something in the field of uh, AI ethics. I think that's what you just joined and working on. What yeah. a phenomenal! Uh, uh, what a ph- phenomenal portfolio already. Thank you. Mind. So okay, I can say this for sure that this sounds great, but it's just like regular stuff that anyone can do. But I mean, so you know, when you talk about my key takeaways, what I've realized is that okay, you know, be it tech stuff, like even if I'm mining data, if I'm organizing the retreat, if I'm trying to write, 
like anything i think irrespective of what you do i've learned that it's extremely important to be mindful of other people and how they feel and you know in general be aware of your actions you can you know you can have a plan stick to it do what you're doing but there's al- always going to be some level of unpredictability so i think i've learned to be more patient when something like that happens to always have a plan b so i think this is really funny like when i have to do something i always come up with a plan b first before i come up with the plan a because i want to have that option in case it fails yeah why take, yeah, what do you think what do you think has made that happen that the plan b comes into place before plan a i think in general i'm a very anxious person and i always tend to think of the worst case scenarios so that has always pushed me to you know have like a backup mm. have a backup option i think that's i think subconsciously that's what i was thinking when i decided to to pursue engineering instead of writing that okay you know right writing is what i want to do but in case it doesn't work out at least <laughs> i'll have a backup so yeah i think it somehow like reflected it on my life choices that you know like have a backup first and then i think a part of me is really scared of like doing what i really want to do mm. and pursue that but i haven't been able to um, confront that yet i think there are also tremendous strengths in that so one is to of course look at it as as you're looking at it to be able to confront it the other is what it gives you i mean it really gives you feel safe right often yeah and i think those are that's a very very big thing to have in your in your in your bag of tricks so that's great all right okay so go ahead yeah you were telling me your key takeaways and your learnings yeah um that and also i mean i think one of the more important things was to not be uh, to not not take failure personally because you know you're attempting something it is it's statistically impossible that you will not fail yeah. Yeah. at some point you will it could be like a small failure a big failure anything but at some point you will fail at something or have a setback or something like that So I think I've also uh, over this journey, you know, learned to sort of manage my response to that in terms of like not taking it personally, mm. thinking it as something which can happen. It can happen to anyone, and you know how to just sort of move on, learn from it, and then move on to the next thing. Because I remember when I was younger, you know, this was a really funny example. <laughs> so it was there was some like there's some uh, art competition and mm. I write with my left hand my handwriting is horrible <laughs> and I'm really bad at art but you know like when you're a kid you want to do stuff so I was like okay I'm going to participate in it and they had to shortlist people and I obviously didn't get shortlisted I think I must be like about 10 or 11 and mm. I remember being so disappointed I still remember it to this day you know that feeling of oh my god I didn't get picked what do I do now so yeah I think that uh, was obviously as kids we can't control our responses but sure. i think over the years of i'm trying to you know be better at that be better at failing that you will attempt things you will fail at them how do you recover from that you know learn from it and then move on to the next thing without losing perspective of the big picture that is beautiful because obviously that is what is leading you to support so many people i remember this uh, line from uh, is a ghazal ghazal by jagjit singh which he says har kadam pe gire gire mm-hmm. har kadam pe gire 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 magar sikha kaise wow. girton ko kaise girton ko tham lete hain wow 
Isn't so, that beautiful? Yes, and I think when I hear you speak, I find that uh, that's something amazing that you bring, Mahima. Because you know what you're saying, and you're talking about to say that you know this this thing about failure, but as a result, you are then creating a crucible for people to experience success, right? Yeah, and I, I I find that is really powerful. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's always yeah. been like, okay, you do what you're doing without thinking of, you know, like how big or small or important it is. So yeah, yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's a joy to share this thought with you. So if I was to ask you, uh, the adage that you live by or a metaphor for life. What do you think that would be for you? You could have many. You can even tell me a few. But some things that really stay with you. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it can be a metaphor, but I mean, like, I don't remember anyone teaching me this, or you know, like someone telling me this in specific. But I remember I've always um, wanted to wanted everyone to be. happy in terms of like not me making them happy but like you know my actions impacting people in a way that doesn't make them sad or doesn't take anything away from them oh. so being mindful of how my actions impact others so i can't think of a metaphor i mean i don't know i think it could be like okay a river would be little too so i think i don't know maybe a waterfall just like harmlessly oh. falling and then like you know being oh. so so water and not really coming in the way and yeah like oh pleasant to look at from a distance and yeah that's I mean beautiful that... that's beautiful <laughs> that's really yeah. beautiful so it's like a waterfall that you yeah um and if i was to ask you what are some of the gifts that you received that have shaped you i think first would be you know uh, recently like over the years i've become acutely aware of the privilege i have in terms of you know being born in the right family and mm-hmm. you know having the resources to uh, you know support my passion instead of you know having the pressure of living from paycheck to paycheck and supporting a job mm-hmm. so i think also like one of the shaping experiences was that when i started working i realized like i decided not to take any money from my parents mm-hmm. and we used to get paid peanuts mm-hmm. and you know i remember how hard like for 3 years it was so hard to budget everything yeah. and because i was living in bangalore so and then i remember like like learning the value of money in terms of spending on things which are absolutely <clears throat> essential and i think that sort of shaped that whole experience shaped me into a minimalist in terms of you know uh, just to give a very like tiny example that okay having only the amount of clothes that i need and oh, not ex- nothing extra so i think i have like about re- like 8 or 90 shirts that's it yeah. and i'm not like bragging or showing off but it's just that i feel i need to have only the amount of stuff that i can use and or i have used for i just don't want anything to just sit decoratively around me like everything needs to have a purpose and yeah. there's absolutely no need for me to you know waste not just money but like even energy on stuff that i don't need so i think that's been like a one of the key takeaways that you know just being ex- like i think also like because i'm trying to be less capitalistic like just like control the amount of resources i can view mind you know yeah that is that is just so inspiring because uh, and i think you know there was something i was reading yesterday that 
uh, unless and until we have people who are um, in their thirties, twenties, leading people like us, old fogies now. But <laughs> but telling no, us. No, you're not old. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just to tell us on on uh, their lens of life, looking at it, because. i do believe and i remember writing a comment on that i do believe that we need to be handheld into the future because it's so dramatically different it, it's growing in leaps and bounds right and so yeah. people like you take us by the hand and, and i mean it metaphorically here that you know and just show these other ways of being i think it would be of such great use to human human kind as such and and um, and yeah and that is the thing of tomorrow what's your sense of this when when i speak about this i think i mostly agree but the bit i disagree on is the hand holding i mean yeah. the owners cannot be put on just uh, one stakeholder i feel i believe it has to be like a collective effort of collaboration because nothing can replace the experience and wisdom the old generation has we just need to have a active exchange of ideas mm-hmm. i believe i mean we exchange ideas we talk about things and then we reach a conclusion on what might the best approach be mm-hmm. it could be something i suggest or it could be something you suggest but i think what's essential is to have that dialogue and keep that channel of conversation open i feel that's lacking that's what we lack today mm. in terms of people being very firm in their opinions and being very staunch in their beliefs and not being open to conversation or dialogue mm. so i feel if we are able to as a society achieve that that you know you just open to ideas and you know just being open to the possibility of being wrong mm. i feel that would change so much that mm. would be bring about such a massive change because i mean it's not possible for everyone to have the same ideologies so yeah i mean we just need to be more accommodating i feel wow and 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 how do you think that can happen mahima what can we do to create that and obviously i mean it's I, i guess we all have to do it in our little sectors but what do you think one can do in order to to ensure that that dialogue what you say is so true that people are so rigid in their views often times yeah and so what what can be done about making this this bridge as it were i think the one thing the only and i have a very limited world view like but the one thing i've seen work is uh just talking and like i'll give a small example um so you know how we have these uh, whatsapp forwards mm. and sometimes we will get complete nonsense on them like <laughs> stuff which is not true or fact checked yeah. yeah. or stuff like that so um i remember my parents being completely enamored by them and you know just like going by whatever they find and see and then talking about it and the times like even you know taking it by face value hmm. so i remember always arguing that okay don't do that don't do that don't hmm. believe them and stuff like that don't watch them and then even when i went to i went and did a postgrad in data science hmm. so i remember telling them that okay i i'm studying fake news i know how it works hmm. and they still didn't believe it but i think the real change happened when my sister started talking to them because i think she's she's way more stubborn than i am Mm-hmm. so she would talk about it every day every day after every night after dinner she would be like okay this is what's wrong with it this is why you shouldn't do it mm-hmm. and i think slowly over a period of like i think i would say 6 months to 1 year 
you were like able to convince them to not take things that face value especially mm. the news or the tv they say mm. and to google stuff and fact check stuff and mm. then make up their mind mm. so yeah i think that's like a very small example of like persistent conversation of not giving up mm. so the other person is not open to listen to you is not open to change but you still keep on trying and talking and i think at some level it will make a dent even if it's like after 6 months to a year but it will yeah Almost. almost like a battle of attrition no and yeah yeah <laughs> it is yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah <laughs> and this is on the positive so side you know it's like yeah. and it relentlessly till people yeah. and understand what is the new reality yeah because what you said is so correct it's so easy to get trapped into this no into this uh, this this loop of picking yeah. up these things and yeah absolutely right and i hope more power to you mahima i hope that this this <laughs> kind of you. extends not just to your your family but elsewhere to so say just keep going at it so that people will listen and yeah. uh, and uh, yeah and i i think there's a brigade out there that that can that can really <laughs> make this happen I mean my home, like the only problem i see with this brigade is that you know okay like i'm a part of it but yeah. <laughs> sometimes i feel we just tend to be very um, not intrusive i'm looking for the right word like uh, you know there's like being relentless in a good way and then this just like badgering and badgering and nonstop badgering and you know i feel it are and even we fail to listen at times sure because uh, yeah so again i think that brings me back to the same thing that i feel there has to be an open dialogue that flows from both ways yeah 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 and and i think that is the that is the thing that influences the course of history in any case is being able to dialogue yeah and uh, and also making these bridges together absolutely yeah. mahima if i was to ask you to flash forward yeah yeah say, say even 15 years from now right and what is it that you would have liked to have done so if you were 15 years ahead if you tell if you're talking to mahima of today 15 years later what is it that how would you have expressed your uniqueness that unique lens of humanity that you were there's no other mahima sood what would she what would she be saying to you right now to keep at it basically because i suffer from periods of intense self doubt that i'm not doing enough or you know maybe i'm wrong i managed to push through them but it's obviously a hard time so yeah i think one advice i would like give myself would be just to keep at it and just have an open mind absolutely that is so yeah. powerful these things are it's it, it, they seem very easy to say but they're so difficult to actually to keep at it is yeah. something that you know is and 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 how would you describe your your gift to humanity as such because i believe every one of us is carrying a gift what do you think yours would be mahima i think honestly it would be uh just being more accommodating to other people and being more mindful of their emotions because i feel that what we really lack today like being empathetic and you know just being nice on the face just being kind because i have seen so many times like what a massive difference it makes just to like talk to people nicely or you know just be nice so the bitterness that's going on today that really puts me off mm-hmm. so i feel yeah i mean my uh, my offering would be to you know just be nicer be kinder and be more uh, mindful of other people's emotions hmm. i think that is so beautiful and so needed you know when you say kinder 
uh, exactly. I mean, I despair sometimes when I don't see that playing yeah. out. And, yeah, yeah, and and it's so it's so amazing that um, you should call it out to say that that is what is uh, that is what is required. And and uh, what a beautiful lens to to view the world. <laughs> Thank you. Tell me what kind of what kind of value do these kind of conversations have for you, like a soul I mean, like this? Yeah, like I was about to bring that up because you know, like just going back to a couple of minutes ago when we said about having an open dialogue and you know just being open to new ideas, that's where I feel something like coffee and soul and soul brew conversation fits in perfectly because this is a platform for. exchange of ideas between people who do completely different things and you know we are trying to find some common ground and uh, connect with each other on a level which is um, not superficial so i feel it's extremely important having that having like a platform where you can exchange ideas and learn things from each other so yeah that's my um, yeah that's one of the things the other thing is that you know having a conversation like this it makes me you know it's different if i'm sitting and just thinking by myself mm. but it's different when i actually say those words out loud and i am talking to you because um you know then i can hear my ideas and then i can also intermittently get some feedback from you so i mm. know you know that whole um, thing between theory and practice yeah. that sort of Yeah. comes into play that you know okay it's different just thinking by myself and thinking about it sitting by myself and thinking about it but it's different actually talking to someone about it and then you know getting to see how it sounds like and how doable it is so yeah that's, I, that's why i feel something like soul brew is so important because uh, we have different people and uh, you know we are sorry we are different people and um, we bring different things to the table mm. so we just mm. need to be more receptive to those uh, distinctions and you know just see what we can learn from each other absolutely you know and 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 what you said is again so so meaningful in terms of what this does any anything else you'd like to tell us it's been such a joy to talk to you uh anything you know, else this is such a fun conversation i mean i would really love to know how you came up with the idea of coffee and soul and you know not just that but even something like these soul brews and these conversations that you have i would love to know the idea behind it the thought behind it certainly i mean we can and definitely i'd be very happy to share that with you and well actually um to take a quick minute on that it's really yeah it was really um something got in, got got influenced by i was sitting in a coffee shop and looking at people <laughs> and there were some very very interesting faces you know sitting with their cup of coffee and looking out into the world and that's when this idea took birth to say what is this person thinking what is this whole story and i really want to go and um, you know talk about it and hear them if they are willing to share this with me and so that's how that's how this idea came into being is to be able to bring different perspectives of human beings much like what you've said mahima to in order to include you know not to because everybody has a story everybody has a perspective it's just that perhaps we need to stop and listen you know yeah and we learn a lot from just as it is our culture if i talk about the is a shrota culture we listen and so someone mm. feel that um, there's a, there's a place for that but before that i want to ask you about this background of sanskrit scholars i told you that i'll come back to that and i don't want yeah, to yeah so 
so my father's side of the family so especially his aunt like his uh, my grandfather's sister so she was um, like before partition so there was a university in lahore hmm. a punjab university there so hmm. uh, she studied there and like this used to be one of her childhood stories that hmm. you know they used to conduct these all india like the divided india exams entrance exams yeah. and for sanskrit and they used to do something called the prabhakar back then okay there was no msc or ma sorry not msc but like a ba or an ma in sanskrit so it used to be something called prabhakar and oh. i remember like my grandmother and even her and even my father talking about it that you know when the results came out uh, they were talking about uh, the results of prabhakar and drew the sun and they were like okay you know they were talking about suraj ki aat kirne like eight peaks of the sun and she was one of them so yeah. they had like kind of um, spoken about the eight main uh, eight like i think not toppers but like the best students yeah. of that cohort of prabhakar yeah but uh, she was a poet she was a writer oh. uh, you know i remember she used to fill notebooks and notebooks of poetry and stories every time she used to go to holiday she would come back with three to four stories she, i remember she used to go to dalhousie every year for one month and she used to come back with like four four to five short stories and i don't know at least 10 poems wow so That's i think she prolific. was one of the first yeah that she was one of the first writers i met and also so i come from a very small town husharpur uh, in punjab yeah so oh. she opened the first private school here in the 50s wow and i think from my father's generation most like most doctors and engineers and is officers who came out of the city they all went there so uh, she was she was very she had a very uh, modern view when it came to education in terms of it being interdisciplinary and she tried to implement into practice with the school so yeah Amazing. i remember she used to teach me sanskrit when i was a kid i remember i memorized the 12th adhyay of gita when i was a kid Uh, yeah because Where she was it? like okay this is the smallest one so yeah this is this will be the easiest for you to 11th or 12th i am not i could be wrong yeah the smallest mm-hmm. chapter in the in, entire gita so it's going to be easy for you to remember <laughs> so yeah she used to uh, you know she taught me gita and uh, she used to teach me sanskrit over the years i feel i forgot i like i never practiced it enough but now i I like last year I started going back to it and I'm learning Sanskrit again because I want to read and write in it. I feel it's so like linguistically it is so important to know that language if you really want to study our like you know the ancient scriptures and texts that we have. You are truly inspiring, Mahima. <laughs> truly <laughs> inspiring. It's so wonderful to to hear this from you to say that this uh, you know this resolve about going back and studying that is. is exemplary and uh, and therefore i think this is where this value of these conversations for me is that what you're doing reaches out to so many and maybe influences some others to to step on these different paths that people like you are taking so like i i like i like i hope i can do that but yeah i mean there's also so much to like this was such a like joyful conversation to have because um you know i could again like what i said like sitting and thinking is different but like when i was speaking out loud it kind of like it made mm-hmm. more sense to me as well and you know it's 
kind of like it's a strange kind of validation that that I got that okay what I'm saying actually does make sense. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah, I absolutely like love this. Yeah. So thank so, you for having me. It's a pleasure and thank you so much for coming on to Coffee and Soul and having a soul brew with me. It has been truly fascinating and very inspiring to have you uh in this uh in this conversation. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with us really deeply appreciated mahima thank all you all the very me. best thank you for having me it's a pleasure thank you so much thank you and Sweet. i'm looking forward to like hearing more of soul brews and yeah lovely lovely and let me know yeah. what you think of them yeah all right thank you so much mahima thank you stay safe stay well thank you for your time and attention and for being a part of soul brews with shiva Until next week keep the coffee swirling <laughs>